Welcome to The Conversation. This is Christy. And hi, I'm Gretchen. And this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 13, where we will be continuing the conversation about grief and loss. This week, we had uh, Karen and Sarah come on to talk about the loss that they experienced with Karen's son and uh, Sarah's brother. And we thought that it was important to have different viewpoints from same family because everybody does experience it differently and their loss is now we figured we were saying 15 years but it's actually been 17 years out yeah and how this is just an ongoing part of who they are as individuals who they are as a family how they communicate with one another and how all of that is influenced um ronnie was 15 when he died and so at four years old going to be five he had a heart transplant and what happened was he developed lymphoma when he was a teenager and that's ultimately um how he passed but karen has talked openly about just how important it was for her to maintain a sense of normalcy for their whole family and for him as a child and how that was a difficult thing to do um because you are worried as a parent and you don't want something to happen but at the same time you don't want to helicopter or shelter them well i think it's an interesting point of view too because it's as as we've come to find out in all of these kind of interviews that we've done with people is is that grief is not simple it's very complicated mm-hmm. and so this is not only the loss of a son or a brother but also the loss of a healthy child having a child that is sick and dealing with that and and Karen talks in great depth about her experiences with dealing with hospital systems and the support that she was able to get from that and the connections that she made with those people and I think that that's really important too mm-hmm. and re- redefining that family and what right. it means when you you don't have a person at the table, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I was able to talk with Karen and her husband, Danny, um, following doing the podcast. And there were a couple of interesting things that they brought up that people wouldn't think about on a day-to-day basis. You know, I remember when I got divorced, uh, the first time I went somewhere and I needed to have an emergency contact. And all mm. of a sudden that wasn't going to be the same person anymore. It was sort of similar in that sense. Um, Karen had brought up that when she signs birthday cards... Or Christmas cards oh. every year it was Karen Danny Ronnie Sarah Lindsay and then that first time and then every time after that it was oh. like a wrench in her heart of I'm not putting his name and so she said for her it was now she puts and kids but mm. it's still not the same way that she did right it. no I think that's really good because that, again yeah like it's not something that you would ever think about mm-hmm. like and again it's those little things that mm-hmm grief never goes away it's not something that we get over it's not something that if we just wait long enough we won't remember it anymore like it is always there it just takes on different shapes and forms oh absolutely and um danny had brought up another point that karen said oh yes that's a thing too that throughout your life people say oh gretchen how many kids do you have? Oh, right. You're right. How so, many kids do you have? Right? What do you Is, say? Right. And Do you then, want to even talk about it? And then if you do say, well, I had three, then that opens up a whole thing of now the other person's uncomfortable. Karen and both, Danny both mentioned that people profusely apologize for even bringing it up. Yeah. And just like this whole sense of uncomfortableness from everybody else. So anybody out there that's listening, if you experience this, maintain a, a normal affect and just ask the person you know you might say i'm sorry to hear that or tell me about him or yeah. apologizing and trying to make the situation less awkward is only going to make it more awkward well not only does it make it more awkward but i can imagine because again with my experience of losing my mother if people say 
you know, because I often talk about my father, and then when they'll say, "Oh, well, where's your mother?" and mm-hmm. I'll, "Well, she's she's dead," and it's the same kind of thing that it's like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and and then it's this awkwardness that now I feel like I can't talk about her mm-hmm. or it's weird, and so I get that it's uncomfortable for other people to have to deal with this um, or to not know what to do, but it's okay to ask about these people, right? It's okay that you said that. It's okay to say, hey, Gretchen, what about your mom? Mm -hmm. And for me to share that with you if I want to, or like in Karen's situation, to say, oh, how many kids do you have? Mm -hmm. And if she chooses to say, well, I had three, but one of them passed away, to say, I'm so sorry to hear that. What happened? Do you want to talk about it? Would that be okay? What was his name? Mm -hmm. Like, all of those things are okay. Yes. Thank you very much to Karen and Sarah, because as we always say, it's very difficult to talk about these things a lot of the time and very vulnerable putting yourself out there. And I just know that this is going to help a lot of people. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. And I think that it's also really good to recognize the importance of support when you're going through grief and loss. And Karen and both Sarah talk about the support network that they had from a uh, organization that's local here in Pittsburgh that helps families who are going through the grieving process. And so again, because there is so much stigma, I think, and also uncomfortableness around grief, and we often feel like we have to go through it alone, finding a support system, finding people who can understand that are okay with whatever it is that you need to say and go through. And and again, having that connection, I think is really important. Just the sense of relief that comes from people who get what you're going through. Yes. So here in Pittsburgh, we have the Caring Place, and that's for children and adolescents. And if you are an adult and you don't have any children in your life, there's also the Good Grief Center. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a multitude of other places if you were to just do yeah, a search resources in, your area. Mm-hmm. in any city. So don't ever feel bad about reaching out and trying to find a support network and somewhere that you can go where you can just be open and honest about how you're feeling and what you're dealing with. Sure, because the worst thing that you could do is hold those emotions in. And then next thing you know, you're isolating and Karen brings up, sometimes you need to kind of take a time out, but give yourself a time limit. Don't let it become excessive. And if you start to have thoughts that are a little bit dangerous or you're feeling like you're not in a safe space that definitely talking to somebody please like get out there and talk to whether it's a professional or a friend somebody who sometimes it's just nice to get it off of your chest and say it out loud we just need to say it sometimes right because holding it inside really does become excruciating sure yeah and that's why we have this podcast we like to um encourage people to have conversations so hope you enjoyed this episode and always reach out if you have any questions or you would like to connect with us Welcome back to the conversations that we're having about grief and loss in the holidays. I'm happy to have my good friend Karen here, and um, we're going to be talking about her loss, which I know working with a lot of people who have um, grief, uh, they say that there is no one that's worse than the other, and I would venture to say that Karen's is probably one of the worst. Her son um, died, how many years ago was that, Karen? It's been six, no, 15 years. 15 years. And actually, Karen is probably one of the last people that I would have expected to agree to come onto the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> she is not a fan of a lot of attention, but I do know that this topic is very close to home for her, and she would like to get the information out there that could help other people. And I know it is going to help a lot of other people, so I appreciate you coming on. You're welcome. <laughs> 
So first, um, I want to talk a little bit about Ronnie because he was such a cool guy. <laughs> he was really fun. We had a lot of times. Our families are very close, so we sort of were growing up together. So can you tell us a little bit about him? Uh, yeah, Ronnie was um, four, and he had a virus that attacked his heart. Mm. And within one week's time, we he was put on the transplant, uh, heart transplant list. So he had a heart transplant at the age of four. He turned his fifth birthday, he celebrated in Children's Hospital, um, and he did good for many years. He had that, uh, he lived till he was 15, so he um, enjoyed his life, and we got to enjoy him longer than would have been expected. Um, what did the doctors say? Um, you have a daughter, also Sarah, and they are how old? Far apart. 15 months apart. So they were very close in age, um, too. And what did the doctor say initially when he had his um, virus? Um, they felt that it was just, they both had the virus. They both had the same virus together. Um, and I was concerned that she, that she would end up with the same heart issue. Uh, but they said no, that... Um, it, what was the issue? The virus attacked his heart, and he had viral myocarditis. Okay. And the viral myocarditis destroyed his heart, um, and he had no function, like, at all. He had, um, they said when they did the transplant that his heart was, um, his old heart was gray and wasn't functioning at all. He had been on life support. He had been on what is known as ECMO, mm -hmm. um, which... Uh, sustained him and kept him alive without heart function until they were able to get a uh, donor heart. Mm. And uh, and he only waited, um, he waited less than 24 hours to get a donor heart. Uh, we were very fortunate. Um, he was top of the list because he was so critical. So, and he... Um, was his, four? Yeah, he was four. Mm -hmm. And his type um, was AB positive, so he could accept any uh, blood type of heart there was no and it was he was like an easy match mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. doesn't always happen mm -hmm. so. and how was children's hospital you lived there um yeah we spent many times there I used to say we were frequent flyers because we were there so frequently um was a wonderful hospital um and that was at the old hospital the old children's and it was still they still were very good um and the staff was wonderful. Um, I mean, you had your issues with certain doctors, but yeah. doctors are doctors. Uh, you learn to tolerate that. And <laughs> it caused me to become a very um, uh, a good advocate for my child because um, I went into it blindly and uh, learned very quickly that nobody's going to stand up for your child but you. Mm -hmm. So um, it was... It was a very good learning experience. It gave me um, that I stand my ground more mm, and mm -hmm. um, I speak up more than what I ever did prior. <laughs> and did they have support groups there for the families? Yeah, there were support groups. Were um, they helpful? Yeah, some of them were very helpful. We worked with um, a transplant coordinator who is, an, uh, who is a nurse that works with all the transplant patients. Um, she was very good at getting us hooked up with people that we could talk to. Um, she got us involved in um, different things that they had for the transplant kids. There was heart camp, and that was, but that wasn't just transplant. That was all cardiac kids had the opportunity to go to this heart camp. Um, 
There was also Heart to Heart, which was a program where a parent would come in and speak to other parents of children that were going to have heart surgeries or had heart issues, and you would get to know people. Um, through that, I would go and I would speak with other fa other parents and let them know that life still continues and a child can lead a normal life, even though they have a cardiac issue. And I always used to say, he's as normal as the next child. He just has a few more doctors than most kids. Yeah. yeah. And that's interesting that you bring that up because I was wondering, does that become part of a kid's identity when they have so many doctors? And uh, Sometimes, I yeah, I would say yes, because... Mm -hmm. They become adjusted to the medical side of things. Um, I think it made my children more, and even my daughter, because she would go to appointments with mm -hmm. us, um, more of aware of handicaps and disabilities um, and made them more open to other people that had disabilities or... Um, and it, they, they weren't considered strange because they seen it all the time. And it was like that was normal to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, and I think it made them more, uh, more identified. Identified yeah. with their, yeah, yeah, who they are. Yeah. Um, so I think it did. And it made them better. I mean, I think it made them better people. <laughs> I think so, too. I do. So. And when Ronnie got sick the last time, how long was he in the hospital? That's sort of a blur. <laughs> um, when he got sick, uh, he was, it wasn't heart related. Well, it was, it was all tied in. He had, um, he ended up with uh, lymphoma and that's tied into the, the drugs that he took to, to suppress his immune system that causes, that puts them at a higher risk for infection and cancer. And so he ended up with a lymphoma and when he was treated for the lymphoma, his immune system was so suppressed that the chemo did a lot of damage to him and ended up he was in ICU and uh, he couldn't survive the, the treatment for the, the cancer and he passed. Mm. Um, he was probably, I, I don't remember, like I said, a lot of that's a blur. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to... I think my mind tends to block it out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but he was there for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And was he aware of what was happening when he was sick? Um, yeah, he was aware. He, I mean, we were always very open. He always knew what was going on with him. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he was 15 at that time. So, I mean, it's a little hard to hide that when yeah. you're doing everything. And he knew that he had, that had cancer and he was having treatments. Um, when he got very sick one night and had to go into ICU, <laughs> he told me that he was going to die. Sorry. <laughs> um, and I told him, no, he's not. No, he's not. But he didn't survive. So he was right. And he, you know, he knew that, that it was time, I guess. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. But it was difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. And you talked about your daughter, too. Everybody in a family deals with things differently. And I know how close you guys are and that you still are very open with each other. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still, we're very open. And she was involved in all stages of all of this. She, like I said, she was dra unfortunately dragged to appointments even if she didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. And she was involved whenever he was passing. I mean, mm -hmm. we were there as a family and 
I have a large support group as far as my family and friends go. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of people that was there and was comforting. And we knew that he wasn't going to survive. Mm -hmm. So he was um, taken off of life support and, mm -hmm. and passed. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot with um, families while they're going through grief and how stress stressful it is on a marriage, too. And I know that you're still with your husband. We love him. <laughs> and I just know that, again, that open communication is so important so that people aren't shutting down, you know, what their feelings are. Yeah. That's, I mean, it gets rough. It, mm -hmm. it was rough at times. Um, I always say that, well, I was once told, I should say, that um, a lot of times people that lose a child, um, their marriages break up within I don't know what the time frame is. Somebody told me five years, and so we've really outlasted that. Um, but we we try to communicate. It's not always quietly. I mean, we're no. we're a very verbal family, <laughs> so you might hear some yelling and screaming. But, yes, because uh, everybody's loss is different, and everybody's yeah. relationship yeah. with the person who has died is different. Yeah. And it's it's still a loss, even after yeah. all these years. It's still mm -hmm. it still affects you, as you see mm -hmm. or heard. <laughs> um, but it's still a big loss to our family. I mean, I'll never. He'll always be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a saying that says, um, death ends a life, not a relationship, and that you can continue to have that person. It, you absorb uh, that loss. Nobody ever gets over it. I yeah. No, I don't think anybody ever gets over it. No. And is it okay to talk about it? Oh. Because sometimes people, they don't know what to say, and I'm sure, especially in your situation, they don't yeah, know what oh, to yeah. say. And, and people, somebody once asked me, um, what was something that was said to you when your child was very ill and after his loss that was stupid, what do you think that was really, that was offensive to you or mm -hmm. you thought, why would they say that? And I said, I really didn't look at it that way because I believe that people have a hard time handling death and have a hard time when somebody is dying, on they don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. So I never felt that anybody said anything stupid or you know, wrong, because I don't know what to say, so I mm -hmm. know other people didn't know what to say, so I, you just, I just sort of went with the flow, because it's a difficult time, mm -hmm. not only for us, but for everybody else, too. Yeah, and day by day, moment by moment, especially in that beginning stage. Yeah, the only thing I do believe is people, some people may say is stupid, that, oh, he's been gone for so long, you, you should be over that by now. Well, that's not true. That's that not is true. one thing that I do believe is stupid. <laughs> but bringing up the fact that you've had a loss and, like, what people's memories are of him is comforting. Oh, yes, yes. I, um, I don't have problems. We have pictures of him. Um, I don't have problems speaking, but I might get teary-eyed and cry <laughs> sometimes. But, and that's um, okay. Oh, yeah. It, I, I don't think I'd be normal if I did. No, no. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we do talk about him. Um, he was part of our life, yeah. uh, a big part of our lives and other people's lives. Mm -hmm. So, I am a firm believer in signs, and I know one of the reasons that you're here is I volunteer at the Caring Place, and they have the quilt squares, and um, it just so happens. How long ago was that? How many years? Fifteen years ago, and they so they display these quilts, and then they go sort of into the vault, so to speak, and they every so often bring them out. 
And just this year, I was there for an event, standing in the hallway looking at a square that I had made for my grandmother's. And I just turned around, and there it was, like right in front of my face was Ronnie's square. And I felt that I had to share that with Karen. And do you remember doing this? Was it you and Sarah? And you have another daughter, Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah, mm-hmm. our youngest did it. Yeah, it was just the three of us. Mm-hmm. The caring place was a wonderful place, I do have to <laughs> say that. It helped my children cope with the loss of their brother. Um, and that's what the caring place is for, to help other children cope with the loss of a loved one. And I always told them when we went that I think they helped me more than they did the children. <laughs> Most of the parents say that, actually, because they, they they put the parents in a room, too, for mm-hmm. a support, you know. And for some of the parents, they say, this is my only release. I have to put on a face all the time. I have other kids to raise, so yeah. and that, that was helpful. That's very true. The, um, the meeting with the other parents was just a very... A very enlightening experience for me, and I, um, I just thought it was so good. So I did tell them this was better for me than my children. So, <laughs> yeah. and did it help the girls talk? Do you think? I think so. Um, at the time when we were there, and I don't know if it's changed because it's been so many years. I know my oldest, my older daughter, made a box. Mm. Um, I'm not sure, I don't remember what it was specifically called, but it was a box that she, a memory box it mm-hmm. might have been, and she put, um, and she still till this day has that box. Mm-hmm. So. And my youngest one, she was a little younger, so I think her memories of it are a little more vague, mm-hmm. so she doesn't have a whole lot to say about it. She was only, what, four, I think, at the time. Yeah. So it was, and you did say that you think that you guys might go back and visit. The quote. I'd like to go back, and, and I asked both of my daughters, and they both want to go back. Nice. So we do want to go see the quilt. And it is something I haven't seen. Um, we went back the first, the year that we were there. I think we went back at, um, they do a ceremony at the end of the year around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And we went back for the first year of that, and then I haven't gone back since. Mm-hmm. So it's something I want to do. Though. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, the memories and different things, and here we are at the holidays. So (laughs) do you care to talk about the holidays for a brief second? I don't mind. They're they're just, I don't mind telling people they're not my favorite time of the year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I um, don't really care to decorate. Mm -hmm. If if it wasn't for my husband and my daughter, I probably wouldn't even put a tree up. um, But it's hard because... Christmas mm-hmm. brings back time mm-hmm. or memories, and I, there's ornaments that my son made and things like that. So mm-hmm. it makes it difficult mm-hmm. to to go through the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and missing him a little bit more. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why it's hard to do this now. <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm so grateful for you to put yourself out there because it's hard to revisit. The things that you remember that weren't, oh, yeah. weren't I, the happy times. I could skip past the holiday, mm-hmm. the Christmas holidays. They're difficult for mm-hmm. me. And I could literally just skip by them. But because of my family and friends, I don't. Mm-hmm. I guess I put on the mask and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and go through it. But they're difficult. For the rest of the family, do you feel like they have the same traditions as before? Or is um, it different for them? I think they have the same traditions, mm-hmm. um, unless they put on the mask for me. I don't know. <laughs> but um, 
I mean, I do it for them, so mm -hmm. I just, and, and it's how I want it to be. It's, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm allowed to have my feelings. You are <laughs> totally allowed to have your feelings. I remember when I asked you to come on, I knew that the holidays weren't your favorite, and I think that people need to know that's okay. You can say, this is a terrible time for me, and I'm going to do what I need. Is there anything that helps you get through it? No. No? <laughs> nothing, nothing spectacular jumps. I just keep busy. I just mm -hmm. do what, you know, try to keep myself busy. So I guess in a way that does help me get through it by staying busy. And you um, still have people that are okay to talk to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's always those people I can go to. Mm -hmm. So... I don't, though, sometimes. My favorite place to cry is in the shower and in the car. <laughs> and that's usually where, I'm, where I'll let it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Karen. Like I said, I know that this is a very difficult time and to throw in coming in to talk about it for everybody else. Is there anything that you think is important to let parents know who are grieving a loss of a child? Um, I think that there's... I really want people to know... There's no, I was, and I was told this once, so it's not from me, somebody told me, there's no wrong way to grieve. Uh, as long as you're not harming yourself or anyone else, mm -hmm. you can grieve however you want. Um, if you want to put on that mask and go through the days or holidays that bother you, then do it. If you want to just close yourself in your house, <laughs> then do that yeah. too. Don't stay there. Yeah. Get out eventually. Give yourself a time limit on yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but Do you have to force yourself, like you were saying earlier, on days that you know, okay, I might have been closed off a little too long. I have to push through. Oh yeah, you do. And I have I have family and friends that are very helpful. And mm -hmm. when uh, my youngest was small, I always said she was the reason that got me out of bed some days mm -hmm. because I had to take care of her. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes they may know that, so <laughs> they make sure they get me out of bed. Yes. Know? Yes, and working yeah. at the caring place, I know because I work on the kid end, not the parent end, that they watch everything and that they want to make sure that their parents are okay too. Oh yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone through it without my family and friends. So. Karen, one thing that we talked about earlier was um, when you were at the hospital when you had to leave, and talking about yourself as an identified as Ronnie's mom and what that process was like for you. Um, it was very difficult because Children's Hospital was such a um, big part of our lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, even my, my children, mine. Um, I had friends there. I had... Uh, certain nurses. Yeah, certain <laughs> nurses, staff members, even physicians. There was physicians that were we were very close with. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever I walked out of there, it was like I knew I was leaving a part of my life. And it was it was difficult mm -hmm. because you become friends and you know their background, you know they have family, and so so that was a part that I knew I was not going to get back. Mm -hmm. So it it was difficult to leave there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's you know I still I do still have one nurse that I keep in contact with, um, and but other than that, the rest of them who were very good. Are no longer, you know, in our in my family's lives. Mm -hmm. So when Ronnie was taken from us, so was that part of our life. Yeah, and th this idea of re redefining yourself and your family, and also honoring Ronnie and making that transition is 
very different for every family that I've worked with. Well, I, I do have some, another part to say to that is that I think it affected my oldest daughter, too, because um, as she grew up and went to college, she became a nurse. Mm. And when she told me she wanted to go into pediatrics, I was like, I can't <laughs> believe this. You had to live there. For, you had to be there for things that, you know, other children never, and you're going to go into pediatrics. It makes me very proud Yes, that she chose to go in that field. And such a caring, compassionate person, too. She's there now at Children's I mean, Hospital. Yes. Mm -hmm. She works now at Children's Hospital. She's been there for quite a few years, and um, I'm very proud of her for that. that yeah. was, and I think that was instilled by her brother. This, I think so. Another sign. <laughs> another sign, definitely. Yes. Do you remember, um, you said that a lot was a blur, like those last couple of weeks and then what happened afterwards. Do you remember the funeral? and? Um, I remember the funeral itself and specific things um a lot of the funeral home mm -hmm. was is lost i couldn't tell you if certain people were there or certain people weren't there it was such a large group of people i can't tell you who was there i i think my coping skills are that i block that type of stuff out mm -hmm. and i just so i have a lot of it's a blur um, the funeral itself, that I do remember, that was difficult, so, but the time after was, is, like I said, a lot of it is a blur, mm -hmm. and I think that's my way of coping, so, yeah. and I don't feel that that's wrong, it's just who I am and how I do it. <laughs> no, and something that you said a little bit earlier is so important, if you're not hurting yourself, and you're not hurting other people, it's normal, and it's, you know, some counselors out there, even can help people when they don't feel like they have somebody that they can talk to certain things about or that they feel like they don't want to upset other people, that counseling is a good option too. Oh, yeah. I, I fully agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you you need to be able to talk about it. And I have friends and family that I can talk about it too. Um, if you don't, counseling is the way to go. Yeah. So. And that's what we say here, having conversations, telling people that it's okay to talk about these things and you're not going to make things worse because this is the worst that it gets. Yeah. And so anything that you say or just sitting with somebody is helpful. Yeah. And chances are um, there's other people out there that have these same feelings. Sure. That are scared to bring, to say mm -hmm. them. So. And the caring place gives people that place to say, you know, I can look out at this room and know that every single person gets it at some level. Exactly. Yeah. So. All right, Karen. Thank you very much again. You're welcome. <laughs> As we continue our series on grief and loss, I have with me today Sarah. Sarah is actually Karen's daughter, who you just heard from. So because Karen lost her son, that would be Sarah's brother. And I thought that it would be interesting to kind of see the different perspectives from one family because everybody's relationship with somebody is different and everybody's loss is um, experienced differently and how they cope with that loss. So Sarah, thank you very much for agreeing to come in and talk to us. So your mom had said um, that Ronnie got sick, and how old were you when that happened? Um, I was three or four, about four. Okay, so very young. I don't know a lot of people that remember themselves at that age, so do you remember anything from that time? I, I remember some things. Um, I've seen a lot of 
not a lot of pictures. We have like a few pictures from him in the hospital and um, things like that, that I think I trigger memories a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I can remember him being sick. I remember um, him coming out of the hospital and recovering a lot more than I really remember him in the hospital. Um, But I do, I remember bits and pieces. Was he, I'm guessing, different as a result, like as he was recovering? Because he was a very active yeah, I remember always on dirt bikes and outside playing. Yeah. Yeah, he was... Um, it took, I think, some time for him to recover. I remember we did a um, trip to Disney World after as his Make-A-Wish. Mm. And he was still... He was definitely recovering, but he still had to use a wheelchair from time to time just from him, you know, getting tired easily and stuff like that. So he did bounce back pretty well from what <laughs> I can remember because he was always wild as a child. Yes, so. he was. Definitely, for sure. Now, how does a family get involved with Make-A-Wish? Do they... I honestly am not... I I believe that um, it can go either way. They can approach you, I think, in in the hospital setting, like Mm -hmm. maybe with a child life specialist and stuff at Children's, but that's just a guess. And then I think you could probably, like, apply for it as well. Yeah. I totally forgot until you said that, that you guys went to Disney as part of that. Yeah. Now, um... So that was the time where he was sick, and then that he had a heart transplant. And then what happened after that? He was on rejection medicine for a while? Yeah, he had a heart transplant. That was whenever he was, I think he was four or five going on six, mm-hmm. um, or maybe four going on five. He had his birthday in the hospital after the transplant. Um, Did you he, have a party? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Probably, I can mm-hmm. imagine. Um, but... Yeah, so he had the transplant and then um, recovered from that, which you still have. I mean, it's kind of a lifelong process after Mm -hmm. a heart transplant. You're on a lot of medications, rejection medications, steroids, things like that. Um, Have frequent, like, heart catheterizations to make sure that everything's going okay. Um, So it's kind of like a long-term process, really, Mm -hmm. more than just, like, he recovered from it. But, yeah, so he, he always had that. So that happened when he was about five, and then he got sick again, um pretty significantly his kidneys weren't doing well when he was about 14 Mm -hmm. um so and then he and then they found um cancer lymphoma so then he got really sick again and that's whenever he passed away Mm -hmm. and when he they discovered that he had the lymphoma do you remember talking to him about what was going on or was it primarily with your mom um yeah I do actually remember a lot more of that I think Mm because obviously I was older um, and we did talk a little bit. I can remember going out with our friends. We used to go to like a skating rink, romp and roll. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, I remember him talking about how they thought maybe they found cancer and, you know, that people asked him if, you know, when we were talking with our friends, they asked him if he was nervous about it or if he was scared. And he kind of would say like, yeah, a little bit, but never wanted to like say that in front of his friends. So mm-hmm. we, we talked a little bit. I can remember him. I feel like he probably was scared and just didn't want to say it. Yeah. And of course, who wouldn't be? Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, I can remember a lot more of that, I think, than, than really the transplant. Yeah. And I remember your mom being on here. She's one of the strongest people that I know. Me and too. <laughs> I told her I was so surprised that she agreed to come on. And I know that it was important for her to kind of get the message out there for other parents because... That is a struggle, and most of them have nobody else to talk to. Right, yeah. So um, have you talked with your mom about that when it was going on? Not so much, I don't think, when it was going on. I feel like I was maybe, like, a little bit nervous ever to say anything or, Mm -hmm. like, upset anyone. But more, like, as I've gotten older, we've talked about, like, her 
you know, what she went through and how it was different. And we do, we're pretty, pretty open family. We don't really hide a lot from each other. So it's easy for us to talk to each other. So I have asked her a lot of questions, even about her and the process she went through with that. And also like a lot of the things that I didn't understand then about him being sick. And mm-hmm. I've asked her a lot of questions about that. So we do talk about it a lot. I mean, it's definitely definite that we experience things differently mm-hmm. as far as grief goes. Like even just our whole family, everyone kind of experienced it differently, I think. Yeah. What was the biggest takeaway from you after talking to her about that, about kind of when I work at the caring place, I see a lot of kids worried about their parents. So yeah. like you said, you don't want to bring something up, make them more upset, but right. you observe everything. Yeah. So then as an adult, you get to really ask the questions. Was yeah. there anything that surprised you? I think maybe it was surprising to me just how how difficult it was and how difficult it still is like it's never the pain never really goes away Mm -hmm. and I think when I talk about it with her I can tell that it's painful for her Mm -hmm. not to talk about she always says like ask me as many questions as you want we like to talk about my brother because we don't want his memory to go away Mm -hmm. so um but just knowing just how difficult it is for her all the time I think is I shouldn't say surprising, but it really is kind of an eye-opener to right. know that she's always struggling like right. that. And that every year that passes, it's, like you said, it doesn't ever go away. It sort of becomes your identity, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And you're a different person as a result of it. Yeah. We're just coming off of the holidays. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like for your family? Um, I'm sure my mom probably talked about this a little bit. The holidays are very difficult for her. Um, she just... It reminds her a lot of my brother. It reminds her a lot of what things were like, you know, when he mm-hmm. was still here and how we were as a family. And I mean, I'm sure she probably went into that. I don't want to speak for her, but um, I still really love Christmas. I love actually all of the holidays. Um, we have a very close family, even, mm-hmm. you know, my cousins and aunts and uncles. We're all very close. I love seeing them. We get to see them more often around the holidays. So it's really fun for me around mm-hmm. Christmas time, Thanksgiving, all of that, because um like I said, we get to see everyone. And I think it's, and my dad also really likes the holidays. My sister does as well. So um, my mom just really doesn't. It's very difficult for her, like I said. So it's really hard for us to like find a balance of us really wanting to show off how much we like Christmas mm-hmm. and her trying, you know, to have it be it. over with as soon as possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> does she still um, have the ornaments and things from your brother? Do you decorate? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, we hang up his stocking every year with mine and my sister's stockings. Um, We have a lot of his, uh, we used to get ornaments every year from my grandma, so we have his ornaments hung up. Um, So we still kind of like celebrate with him, but it's just obviously very different. And I think it's just a reminder every year that he's not there for her. Um, Where for me, I kind of look at it more when I see those ornaments and see that stuff, it makes me think of the good memories with him. So I like to think about that. So Mm -hmm. just very different experiences. And yes, exactly. Like we said, everybody is different and nobody's way is the wrong way. As long as, you know, they're not hurting themselves or hurting other people. But like you said, striking a balance can sometimes be difficult. Yeah. And I know, um, well, I don't know. I'd like to know from you. (laughs) Is there questions about, um, what other people might think because we were just at your grandfather's funeral and I remember looking at the pictures of your family that they had done and your mom said um, something along the lines of we put that picture of Ronnie on there and the picture that she used is like classic him I don't know if you remember what yeah. it was mm-hmm. and she said do you think that that people might think that that's weird and uh, and I said you know absolutely not that is your complete family right. and so I think for her it's just like a piece of that is missing and she doesn't want that other 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny that you say, like, she asks if people would think that's weird because I feel like we do think that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if we when we talk about him, we talk about him, we don't have an issue. Of course, sometimes it makes us sad, but we still yeah. like to, you know, celebrate his memory and never let him be forgotten. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel like... We, at least for myself, I think, you know, if we talk about him a lot or if we bring him up and people don't realize that he's gone or, um, and then they start to ask questions about it, is it going to make them feel awkward or are they going to feel weird about it? So I feel like sometimes we probably think too much about what other people think when really we should just think like whatever's best for us. Yes. Yes. The caring place you went there. Mm -hmm. Um, what was your experience? I've never really asked you about that. Um, I, we actually went, we did two rounds of the caring place and, um, my dad wasn't able to go because he was, he works until later. So Mm -hmm. it was in the evening. Um, so it was just me and my mom and my sister. My sister was, I think five when everything happened. So, um, it was kind of nice. Um, I'm sure it's probably still set up very similar, but Mm -hmm. we were able to kind of, when we got there, um, all sit together as a group, have a snack, hang out for a little while. And they would do some group things together and then we would split off. My mom would go with other parents who either lost a child or lost, Mm -hmm. I guess it was probably loss of anyone, you know, close to you. Um, And then I went with people my age. My sister went with people her age. And we would do different, um, like, group exercises. We would do different crafts and stuff to help us, like, remember whoever Mm -hmm. we lost. And um, then I think it was pretty beneficial for all of us. I liked the way it was set up that way where we could be, like, with other people our age so Mm -hmm. that you didn't have to feel, like, uncomfortable. Like I said, where I would be scared to, like, ask my mom certain things. I didn't want to make her feel sad. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could, like, be myself and be able to say whatever I wanted to because Mm -hmm. those people were kind of there to support you and not there to judge you, I guess. Yeah. As a volunteer there, I'm always curious, what are the rides home like? Do people talk after that? Are you more likely to? I think we did. That's an interesting question because I'm not sure I really remember it too much. I don't ever remember it being uncomfortable. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I think we're a pretty open family. We don't really hold back a whole lot. So um, it's easy for us to talk about. Not easy for us to talk about difficult things, but we do it. Um, Right. So I, I can never remember it being awkward or uncomfortable. I feel like sometimes maybe my mom was very sad Mm -hmm. but it was always like a good not a bad situation Mm -hmm. or not an uncomfortable situation Mm -hmm. and in the hospital you said um Ronnie was 15 when he died right Mm -hmm. when you guys were at the hospital was it your whole family together when yeah um it was actually we had a lot of people there um my both actually both sides of my family are pretty big Um, my mom has five siblings my dad has three other siblings so um they are all very close and always there for each other so Mm -hmm. we had a lot of people there and it was a it all happened well when I found out that they were going to start taking him off of some of the machines and medications um was in the morning and then he ended up passing away in the evening Mm -hmm. um actually late I think it was like around 9 p.m maybe so we were there all day um it was me my mom my sister my dad obviously and then in and out there were a few people and then a lot of like my cousin and my aunt and uncle were there with us all day your parents were there for a time I think maybe earlier in the day if I can remember um my sister was with your family and actually now that I'm talking about it out loud um I don't think my sister was there I think maybe she could have been there for a portion of the day but she was with your family so um but then a lot of my mom's um siblings and my dad's brothers were there mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of the day so it was I can remember it being very long and stressful and sad and yeah and the days following that do you remember any of that with um, the funeral yeah yeah I remember a lot of it um 
I had, this is kind of a silly thing to remember for some reason, but um, I had a chorus trip coming up that week Mm -hmm. and I can remember like in the planning, I was off of school up until that day Mm -hmm. um, because of the viewings and the funeral and my mom like really wanted me to still go on this trip because she wanted it to be like as normal for me as she could make it, I guess. Um, And I can remember them trying to plan a little bit around that and um, plan, make some of the plans for, I guess, how the next couple days were going to be. I can remember after um, the night that we went home, your sister, who's my best friend, um, came over and my cousin was there and they were really there for me. And it was sad but comforting that we had so many people around that cared Mm -hmm. about us. And I think that probably really helped my parents, too, to be able to cope. Yeah. A lot of parents that lose a child don't stay together because of how different the grieving process is and with everything that your family's been through after Ronnie's death and your mom also had breast cancer Mm -hmm. so there's been a lot of stress on your family and I think that like you said trying to talk and have communication is probably key and letting other people know how you are feeling yeah I think um my parents have not had the easiest you know, time. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult losing a child. Obviously any person who's lost a child could tell you that. Mm -hmm. And I have heard that before that a lot of those kinds of relationships end in divorce because they just can't handle how each other are coping with the situation, I guess is Mm -hmm. what I would think. Um, and they've done a pretty good job. I mean, nobody's perfect, but they, um, have stuck it out and they're, you know, they love each other. So yeah. And no, marriage is easy either. So (laughs) all that communication added extra stress (laughs) is difficult. (laughs) So you right now are actually a pediatric nurse, which I think is super cool. And your mom was quite surprised, she said. So how did you determine, you know, you I'm guessing you spent a lot of time in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. um, I think it probably helped me to make the decision of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I like, I mean, not that I grew up in that atmosphere. I mean, my life was pretty normal growing up with the exception of, you know, my brother having to go to the hospital from time to time. Mm -hmm. My parents kept my life very normal and his life as normal as they could too, which I thought was probably not easy for them to do. I was going to say, talk about a balancing act. I'm sure that there was a lot going on there. Right, right. Was he treated differently by the kids? I think a lot of kids maybe didn't, probably didn't even know, Mm -hmm. um, like at school and stuff. Some, a lot probably did, but because he had to take some medications at school and like go to the school nurse and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I think a lot of um, people maybe probably didn't even notice it so much because his life was so normal. My mom always said, Actually, she said that one of the, card I think it was one of the cardiologists after he had the transplant had said, like, we don't do this, these surgeries so that kids, you know, live in a bubble. We do it so that kids can live a life. So she has told me before that she had to remind herself of that mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, let him be normal, let mm-hmm. him do what any other kid would do. Yeah. So. And there was a heart camp that he had gone yeah. to, right? Yeah. He did that a couple years, I think. And he also did, there was like a transplant games, like. They trained oh. at, like, Olympic Games, kind of. So he did um, both of those things and was able to participate. I mean, he didn't really have a lot of restrictions, which is surprising to think about when someone yes. has a heart transplant. Yeah. Of course, there were some, but he really did get to live a pretty normal life, which is something that's reassuring, I feel like, to me that he got to be normal and that my parents were able to do that for him, too, and yeah. be able to let him go a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm sure that would be tough, but... Yeah. So we were uh, talking about the hospital, and I was just there, and I can't even believe the crazy things that they have, the art carts and all these, like, snacks and all this stuff for kids and video games and everything, and I know back then it wasn't like that, so... How is it for you working back in the hospital? Um, I like it a lot. I, like I said, I kind of 
I feel like him being in the hospital and me seeing that when I was younger made me comfortable in that um, kind of situation. So I felt like it was, you know, whenever I went to nursing school, I knew for sure that I wanted to go into pediatrics because I had seen that type of stuff before. Mm -hmm. And now that I work there, I feel like it's really nice for me to be able to Um, Not that I really talk about it a lot to my patients, Mm -hmm. like my brother being sick whenever I was younger and stuff, but um, I definitely know how to, um, from my family's experiences, like kind of put myself in their shoes, Mm -hmm. thinking like, oh, I you know, this is how my mom said she felt. I'll bet this patient's mom probably feels this way, or I know this is the way I felt, or when I was younger, I was scared because of this, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I try to encourage people to ask questions because I feel like, you know, that's one of the things people are scared in the hospital and they don't want to ask questions because... Mm -hmm. Um, it's very intimidating, intimidating environment. Um, and I'm sure the anxiety level for most parents, you know, like you're not just dealing with a typical patient. You have their whole family there. And right. like we said, there's dynamics that are pretty deep and they're, you know, expressing those needs in very different ways. So exactly. I'm sure it's kind of a balancing act for your whole team there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like it's very helpful for, t- for my family to have gone through that for me to be able to use those experiences to help other people Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean I think it the my brother being sick when I was younger definitely has a part in why I chose my profession and I think it helps me to be it I always like to say like I am not perfect at really anything I can think of but I do know that I'm a good nurse and Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a big reason why Mm -hmm. you know definitely speaking of Ronnie we were talking about dates and holidays and things like that Do you guys do anything on his birthday or his death date or what are those anniversary type things like for your family? Shortly after, for the last, or the the couple years after he passed away, I can remember going up to his grave, I think like on his birth and death dates. Mm -hmm. And we do still go on the holidays from time to time. Um, Now that, you know, me and my sister are older and we've moved out, it's not always together, but Mm -hmm. we do still visit his grave. We don't really have a celebration or anything that we do. I know it's something that my mom and probably my dad really struggle with, or his birthday and his death Mm -hmm. date. Um, So we don't really... I guess that's something that we don't really talk about that mm-hmm. often. Not that I don't I don't think we do it intentionally. I mean, mm-hmm. we have said before, oh, do you know what today is? Remember what right. today is? And I think sometimes... And a hard day in very different ways for every for single everyone. person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't really have anything set out the specific that we do, but we all kind of recognize it in our own ways, I think, every year. So. Mm-hmm. We um, got to hear from your mom and her experience. Um, how would you say that your dad's experience was different? Do you talk to him about... Um, I would say my dad's less of a talker than my mom is. A little bit. (laughs) So, um, it's not something that we frequently talk about. We have talked about it before. Um, I definitely think his experience was, you know, like everyone's is different. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything stick out for you that you remember talking to him about? Um, not really. I think something that really sticks out for me is seeing him upset. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, you always expect like your dad to be so strong all the time. So... Mm -hmm. Seeing him get upset and cry was difficult for me. But other than that, I think it's, I don't think we talk about it as often because I feel like, you know, with the holiday thing, we're kind of on the same page with that. Yeah. Like, I feel like I talk about it more with my mom because we're very different. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So nothing that really sticks out a whole lot. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think it's it's different for him than it is for my mom. Mm-hmm. So, but. That's and how one. about for your sister? Because she was so young. And um, I know she had said to me one time that she remembers a lot through pictures and through people's stories and I think that you said that of early on in the experience mm-hmm. that we kind of live through other people's memories. Yeah, I actually think I've given this more thought recently because 
we've had no the looming podcast. Yes, exactly. Well, just knowing that you're doing this and everything, I actually talked to my sister a little bit about it last night. And um, but even before that, I had been thinking, you know, it's it is so different for her because she does remember more the memories that we talk about than mm-hmm. the memories she has herself. She still has some of her own memories as well, you know, that she talks mm-hmm. about. And I think she her grieving is very different than mine because I'm grieving all the times that I can remember with him and all the times, you know, that all the good times that we had, the bad times that we had. And I think for her, and I don't want to speak for her, but I wonder if it's like grieving that she doesn't remember that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like grieving that she doesn't have those experiences. And sometimes we talk about things that she doesn't remember or she wasn't there for because she wasn't born yet. Mm -hmm. And I think she struggles with that a little bit. Um, It makes her sad that she wasn't there or doesn't remember it. That makes total sense because even somebody who knows a person so well, as time goes on, their sort of scent drifts away or the things that were around so often in the beginning kind of drifts away. And that's a different type of grieving because, you know, you're, you're moving along what they call at the caring place as the grief spiral. You don't like have depression and then move to anger and then all of a sudden you arrive at acceptance and all is well. Right. Right. It's yeah. really more of a long term. I mean, it's been 12 years? Yeah. Now? Yeah. I, well, let's see. 2002. So, yeah. Longer than that. Longer than yeah. that. Wow. <laughs> Time certainly flies. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> well, do you have any advice for people, you know, out there? Did you think anything about, you know, what it was like losing a sibling or, you know, managing the dynamics of family life? Yeah, I think Every family is different, so the way you deal with things is very different. I I personally feel one of my favorite things that we can do is talk about my brother, and all everyone in my family is comfortable talking about mm-hmm. him and talking about his memory, and I think that that's really helpful for me because I always want to keep his memory alive, obviously, mm-hmm. um, even if he's not here. I really feel like that is great advice for people who aren't going through that and know like it's okay to talk about the person exactly like 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 I said we never want to make other people feel uncomfortable and mm -hmm. think like oh maybe they don't want to talk about this or or we don't want them to feel awkward when we say like oh my brother died or my son died or you know yeah yeah but if other people know like a lot of people do really want to talk about the people they lost that can Mm -hmm. make them feel better about it too and they like to hear those stories and they like to have questions asked about the person it's not going to make people sadder I think that that's a something that people worry about yes Yeah, and then I think um, another thing I would say is try to, even though it's difficult sometimes, try and be patient with your family members, Um, especially, like I said, when we talked about the holidays, like, keep reminding yourself that everyone grieves differently, and even though you don't feel a certain way about something, try to put yourself in someone else's shoes or try and understand where they're coming from, because everyone is so different, so patience. Patience. Very important. (laughs) We're practicing it all day long, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, thank you very much, Sarah. It was great having you. Yes, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Christy and Gretchen. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go on our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.